protecting us. How you keep on making ways out of no ways. How you keep the enemy at bay in our lives when, when he would destroy us, mess up our testimonies, take our health. You stand in the gap. And so this morning we come to say thank you. Before we go any further, we ask that you just bless our pastor. Father, give him the rest, rejuvenate his body, speak to him, let him know that you got him. Now for this little while, Father, I ask that you just pour me out. Get rid of me and fill me with yourself so that these, your people, can be blessed, bettered, and benefited by it and that somebody might hear about Jesus. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable. And Lord, then Lord, reveal Jesus to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the whole church say amen. Amen. Good morning, New Mission. Thank you for inviting me. You could have invited a whole lot of other better preachers in this city. So I do not take it lightly that you invited me. I want to talk to you this morning about a wonderful reality, a wonderful power that we all have. I want to talk to you about prayer. I want to talk to you about prayer. Prayer is our lifeline. Prayer is the extension cord that we get to plug into the power of God. In Acts chapter 16, there are a few verses I want to use. So if you don't mind standing to your feet, Acts chapter 16 verse 16 down to 26. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, say prayer, prayer. a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said unto the spirit, notice, not to the woman, but to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them in the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who? having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, solitary confinement, and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. 
And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. You may be seated in the presence of God. Prayer is the lifeblood of the church. Personalities are not the lifeblood of the church. Programs, no matter how much you plan, are not the lifeblood of the church. People who sit in the pews are not the lifeblood of the church. And even though I'm a pastor, I stop by to tell you that pastors are not even the lifeblood of the church. No, my friends, prayer, prayer is the power that propels the church. Preacher, why do you say that? Well, this book tells me that prayer can raise the dead. Just ask Elijah. Prayer can multiply food molecules. Ask the boy with the little, little, with the little boy with the lunch. Prayer can make the sun stand still. Just ask Joshua. So prayer secures our victory. And I just stopped by to remind us today that prayer is important to the church. Jesus' disciples came to Jesus one day after watching John the Baptist, and they said, Master, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them how to pray. Prayer is important. Why? Because prayer can do what God can do. Prayer, my brothers and sisters, connects us to the power of God. See, I think we missed the mark. We think that prayer is our making a, a wish list up to God. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is really me aligning myself with the will of God so that the will of God can be done in the life of the people of God. So this morning, I just want to take a very quick look at this issue of prayer as we see it in the book of Acts. Prayer actually got mentioned up in verse 13 because there were some people who met down by the riverside. Can I just park right there for a second? Today's church would be much better if we all got together at a certain time, at a certain place, just to pray. I know it don't happen here, but in most churches, the prayer meeting is the worst attended meeting through the whole week. On Sunday, you might have two, three, four hundred people but on Wednesday night, you might have three, four, or five people. Somehow, we have forgotten that when the church prays, God will move. Somebody once told me, Sister Lynetta, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, amen. So verse 16 is mentioned in the text because Paul and Silas were on their way to pray. They were making their way to the household of God. But on their way to this prayer meeting, they were met by this woman who was possessed of a devil. Now notice that verse 16 says, and it came to pass. I, I, I like that. I'll touch that in a second. But on your way to church, I don't know if this is true for anybody else, but the devil jumps up. You're on your way to doing what God called you to do, and the devil wants to get in your way and stop you from doing it. The text says that this woman made her living 
by being a soothsayer. She practiced divination. She could tell the future. Y'all remember Jean Dixon, right? Some of us are old enough to remember. Oh, just told my age, okay. <laughs> the problem was, she didn't just do it one day, and not two days, but day after day after day, she kept hounding Paul, following Paul and Silas, saying, these men are from the Most High God, and they show us the way of salvation. Now, she told the truth, but she wasn't interested in getting saved. The devil can be relentless. He is persistent. The devil will not quit. But the text says, and it came to pass. Oh, I like that. It couldn't stay that way. Something has to change. Can I tell you, as a brother and sister in Christ, when you get tired of the devil's mess in your life, you have the authority to tell the devil, you go right back to where you came from. See, if I was at First Baptist, I'd say, you go back to you know where, and you take your abode there because you can't stop a child of God from doing what a child of God is supposed to do as long as we stay connected to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning that you don't even, not just you have the authority, but you ought to have the audacity to tell the devil, get out of my face. You ought to be able to tell your temptations. You got to back up because I'm a child of God. But the only way that happens, sometimes, my brothers and sisters, is if we pray. There ought to be a holy expectation. I thought I heard this this morning. But there ought to be a holy expectation on the table that when you ask God for something, that God is going to do it. If you don't believe God is going to do it, don't ask. <laughs> You're a child of the king, right? You got the king's DNA in you, right? The king sent his son to die for you, right? Then how, I, I like Romans. Me and your pastor likes Ephesians. I, I love Romans. It says, since God gave up his only son for us, how will he not also with Jesus freely give us all things? Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find knock and the door will be open. Paul and Silas on their way to prayer. The woman has now been stripped of her activity to make money for her masters, and look at what the crowd did. Number one, they caught Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace. That's the place where all the activity is. They had a mock trial. It was a fake. It was a sham. Then they misrepresented the truth. They lied on Paul and Silas. Don't you know that when, they, when people can't find the truth, they'll tell a lie on you just so they can get what they want? Then not only that, they engaged in mob mentality. They beat them. Then they bound them, and then they put them in prison. They became felons of the faith. They made their, 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 their hands and their feet secure in the stocks. They were confined. Anybody here ever been arrested? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Amen. Some of us do know what chains feel like. Here's where it gets interesting, though. Look at verse 25. It says, and 
at midnight. At midnight, everything's black. You can't see nothing. At midnight, when it don't seem like nothing is shaking out in your favor, at, at midnight, when all of your hope, all of your help, seems like it's done evaporated. At midnight, you are as far away from day as you can be. Because at 1 o'clock, it starts, they, they call 1 o'clock a.m., right? At midnight, you are almost at the point of despair. But the Bible says, and at midnight, they prayed. Oh, I, some of us ought to catch that. When things don't look like they're going to go right, don't fall out. Don't go running to your friends complaining. Don't go to the psychiatrist paying money. When things are going crazy in your life, like Paul and Silas, pray. You got to get to the point. We all have to get to the point where we're going to trust God even when it seems crazy. God, this is midnight, and I can't move. I can't go make no money. I don't know what's going to happen. Don't fall out and don't get angry with God. Just pray. The book tells me, I told them in, in, in back in, in pastor study, I love science fiction movies, but I like action and adventure movies too. Do you know that most of the action and adventure in science fiction movies where the hero comes out on top, taken from this book, Taken from the book. Oh, y'all don't believe me. All right, let's see. <laughs> Elijah has a servant. His name is nameless. I tend to think it's Gehazi. But they get surrounded by the Syrians. And Joshua's servant is going out to draw water. And he sees all these chariots. He sees the armor glittering off of the sun. And he runs back in the house and says, my master, my master, we are surrounded. How are we going to get out of here? And the man of God prayed, Lord, open the young man's eyes. Sometimes we need our eyes open to the fact that God is bigger than our problem. And all I got to do is call on the name of the Lord and stand right there and steady myself and watch God work. And the young man goes out and says, my father, I see chariots of fire. Don't you know that God has angels all around the believers? Believers are in the hands of God, and then they have the messengers of God to help them through each and every one of their trials. These two believers are praying while they're in prison. What I stopped to tell you is, when you're in the darkest place, when you're in the hardest place, when you feel like God has left you, he hasn't. He's waiting on you to exercise your faith and pray. These two believers, oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Sister told, how? how didn't Jesus say that if two of you, Kenny, two? So if you and our sister touch and agree, two. I, I, I see more than two. 
I see a whole lot more than two, but the Bible tells me if two of you shall touch and agree on anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Paul and Silas start praying in church. They were in confinement, solitary confinement, but their prayer wasn't locked up. How many of you know that you can't lock up prayer? You can't confine prayer. That the, the, that, that the prayer may be in a mess, but the prayer goes straight up to God who can resolve any mess. I, I, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody, but you might be in a real bad place right now. Can I just uh, give you a bit of advice? Don't quit, pray, and then you wait on God to watch God move. See, we're so used to telling God what we need that we have forgotten that real prayer is my aligning myself with the will of God so I can see that the will of God gets done. Now, whose will is better, God's or mine? How many of you know that you can't burn out prayer? Nebuchadnezzar tried it. He threw three people into a fiery furnace. But the Bible tells me they walked around and that the flame wasn't kindled upon them. And I, I'm just crazy enough to believe that they were walking around and praying while they were in the fire. Oh, I forgot to tell you that God desires to burn out our impurities, and so he lets us get in the fire. I bet you pray better when you were in the fire. Oh, yeah. While I'm outside the fire, I'm bad, I can do it. But the minute I get in the fire, Father, I stretch my hands to thee, no other. Help, I know, help me, God. And what we say is, get me out the fire. And God says, no, I need to burn some stuff off of you so that the next time you get in the fire, you'll know how to sing. Go down to the tea kettle maker. He shapes the tea kettle. He takes that little hammer and taps it out into a form and then pours a little bit of water, about this much, pours a little bit of water into the teacup, into the tea kettle, puts the tea kettle back in the fire. Why would you put the tea kettle back into the fire, Mr. Kettle Maker? Because the kettle that sings when it's in the fire. The kettle that whistles when it's in the fire is the one that's ready for use. God has somebody here in the fire. We all want to get out, but God says, I want you in the fire so that I know and the world will know that you're ready because you can sing. Are there any saints in here that can sing while they're in the fire? No matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad it feels, I'm a one-song preacher today. God hears and God answers prayer. The text says they prayed and they sang songs. They prayed and, Kenny, they sang songs. I don't want to get stuck right here, but sometimes... When you in the fire, you just got to praise your way out. Sometimes you just got to go back and find you one of those old songs, one of those old hymns, one of those old, one of those old, 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 old songs that they used to sing a long time ago and put it in your spirit. 
Sometimes you just got to bite down on it and let that song minister into your heart. Sing it until it resonates. Sing it until it fills your mind. Sing it until it fills your whole heart. Sing it until it just overtakes you. We need assistance in prayer. Oh, I'm so glad that God gave us the Holy Ghost. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know about you. I, I got this title that says pastor, but I ain't no better than you. I have those days where I don't want to pray. Matter of fact, I would rather go in somebody's mouth than pray. Oh, yeah. Somebody out here knows what I'm talking about. But, but, but God has given us the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost says, oh, no, you can't do that. And while you messed up, let me help you pray. Anybody in here glad that the Holy Ghost will take your pitiful prayer, turn it around, and make it say what God once said? And then the Holy Ghost helps me align myself with God. Sometimes your worship, you know one of the reasons I like coming here? Because y'all worship like y'all fight. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you got to fight the devil. I wish I had a witness. But sometimes our worship becomes our warfare. The devil is allergic to praise. Uh, we like to say when the praise go up, what comes down? The power of God comes down. When we worship, God says, oh, you're going to talk about me like that? Good. So I'm coming down and I'm going to inhabit the words of your worship and watch the devil move. Your problems will have to become your praise service. Do not let the devil or your troubles silence you from praying. As a matter of fact, when the devil turns up the heat, turn up your praise. When the devil wants to push you over to the side, step out front. David said, I, I will bless the Lord when? So when you're messing with me, I'm praying to God. When you're throwing stumbling blocks in my way, I'm praying to God. So no matter what happens, I am giving God praise. Their testimony went from their heart to their lips, and from their lips to the air, and from the air to the ears of the fellow prisoners. Remember, they're, they're all in jail, right? So it comes up, it comes out, it goes to the airwaves, then to the eardrums of the fellow prisoners, and from their eardrums, it started resonating in their heart. Somebody was paying attention to how these two saints navigated their trouble. Can I say that again? No, let me put it to you this way. Somebody's watching how you go through your trouble. Somebody's marking what you do. They, if they hear or see you pray, trust me, it's going to impact them. Why? Because real prayer will have an impact. Believers have the audacity and the opportunity to shape a world for Christ through prayer. Isn't it funny how the United States don't ever mention prayer until it gets in trouble? Then it runs to the church, oh, would you pray for us? You, you, you told us to take prayer out of school, but now you want us to pray. Why? Because they know that prayer works. Oh, my brothers and sisters, when nothing else, when money won't work, prayer works. 
When programs don't work, prayer works. When intelligence fails us, prayer works. Real prayer can't be stopped. It's like a forest fire. <laughs> you know, most forest fires don't start with a great big fire. They start with a little bit of something. But you, and you just spread it. And it's spreading. Two people, two people, let me do it this way. Two people sitting on a pew. Y'all agree, you know what's going to happen? That fire's going to go to the third person. Three people, the Bible says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Four people is two times two, so now you have power. What God wants to see in the house of God is the power of prayer unleashed. Things will change when we come together in agreement and pray. Pray. Well, does God always say yes to our prayers? Isn't that a shame? It'd be nice if God always said yes. But I started reading Bro Randy, and he said no to David. The baby died. He said no to Paul. Bro Bertie said, my grace is sufficient. God even said no to Jesus. So let me help us, me included, God is not going to say yes to every one of our prayers. God is our father and he knows what's best for us. And sometimes we need to hear no, because the thing that I'm asking him for might just be the thing that kills me. Hmm. However, I like that one. However, there are times when God answers prayers so spectacularly that it'll blow your mind. Now I have to confess, y'all know I'm old school when I'm kind of crazy. When I looked at that, I said, oh, God must have liked the Delphonics. Didn't I blow your mind this time? <laughs> Didn't I? When you go home, I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to give you a, the Reader's Digest version. Uh-oh, got to hurry. The Reader's Digest version is that King Jehoshaphat and Judah are surrounded by a whole bunch of enemies. Actually, they're outnumbered about four to one. And they were going to come in and they were going to annihilate Jerusalem. But in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 or 2, it said, And Jehoshaphat feared, got scared, and set his face to ask the Lord for help. Jehoshaphat said, my enemies are too big for me. Anybody in that situation right now? My enemies are too big for me. So it says he prayed. And then he called on some other folk to pray with him. Sometimes you got to go get some help. Sometimes the issue is so big I can't deal with this all by myself. I need a prayer warrior or two who knows to see I don't want a rookie. I need somebody who knows how to get a prayer through. I need somebody who don't mind getting on their, not on my knees, but don't mind getting on their face and say, Father, your child over there is in trouble. Jehoshaphat got all of these people together and they proclaimed the fast. But that's not the point I want to make to you. The, the Bible says in that 20th chapter that after they prayed and before they went out to battle, Jehoshaphat did something crazy. Jehoshaphat called the leaders and said, 
here's what I want you to do. God has already said we're going to get the victory. Oh, I'm sorry, I did it again. How many of you know that you already have the victory? Oh, see, I don't know if y'all believe it. You already have the victory. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to fight. You already have the victory. So Jehoshaphat said, since we know that God is for us, send the singers out first. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop. We getting ready to fight. And you say, send the singers out first? I said, yeah. The Bible tells me, and when they began to sing and praise, when they said, for our Lord, our God is mighty, our help is in the name of the Lord, that the Lord set an ambush against the children of Mount Seir, against the children of Moab, against the children of Ammon, and they killed one another. Here's one of the things I want to say this morning, very quickly, that when you pray, God will mess the enemy up. When you pray, God knows how to re-engineer the circumstances so that what it looks like is going to take you out. You might not even have to throw a stone at it. Oh, if you just pray, God will show up and God will show out. Quickly now. I don't know how much time I got. Look at verse 26. Huh? How many of you know God's got to stop watching? Yeah, your troubles are time limited. God wants to hear from you, but God already has the stopwatch of your trouble. He already knows how long he's going to let it last. Verse 26 says, and suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly. there was an earthquake. Uh, an earthquake, I, I, I had to do some scientific research. So there's these great big plates in the earth. They're called tectonic plates. And the reason you have an earthquake is the tectonic plates shift, and they collide one with another. Somebody is saying, so what does science have to do with this? God shifted some stuff. When his people prayed, God shifted. See, there was a reality that there, this was a jail. But inside the jail were God's people. And when God's people started praying, God shifted the very foundation of the thing that held them prisoner. Oh, y'all missed that. God wants to hear from you so that he can shift the reality of your circumstance. He wants there to be a collision, a collision of his reality versus the reality that you're in now. And I'm here to tell you this morning that when God causes an earthquake in your personal life, he intends to bring you out. He does not intend for you to stay hostage to your situation. There was an earthquake. It happened suddenly. Next, the foundations of the prison were shaken. Oh, my goodness. I read that and I got excited. Uh, somebody's in financial deprivation right now. God can shake the foundation of your financial situation. Somebody's in a bad marriage right now. God can shake the foundation of your terrible marriage right now. Somebody has... Children that are unruly, honey, let me tell you, put them in God's hands because God can do more with your hard-headed children. Uh, but here's the one that you might be in a bad marriage. Trust God to take care of your spouse. There needs to be a collision, but it needs to happen on God's terms. It says the foundation of the prison was shaken. 
That means that the thing that was structured to keep them incarcerated could no longer be a prison. One person got that. I'm glad I'm at home. <laughs> Whatever problem you got right now, I declare if you put it in God's hands, God can fix it so that that thing can never hold you hostage. I know some drug addicts will tell you that when they put that thing in God's hands, God wrecked the foundation. God tore it up so that that crack or that marijuana or the alcohol or the cigarette, whatever it was that held them hostage, could never hold them hostage again. God wants to free you. See, we say he who has a son, he who the son has set free is free indeed. Are we? I know too many Christians who are still bound, bound by alcohol, bound by gossip, bound by adultery, bound by every addiction. God says, I want to shake the foundation up and I want to wreck it. God wants to wreck all the negative things that are happening in your life right now. Then it says, the doors, this boggled me. So there was an earthquake, so realities collided, God's reality stayed intact. The foundations now are messed up. You've, you've seen what happens to houses after an earthquake, right? Pieces of the house. The house that was standing this way is now and leaning backwards so that you can't go in the house no more. You can't live there. The doors of the prison that were securely locked suddenly sprung open. Oh, my. If I were in there, Kenny, I'd be heading for the hills. The doors came open and the prisoners knew, see, here's the issue. The prisoners knew that it wasn't the jailers that opened the doors. The prisoners heard Paul and Silas pray. The prisoners weren't aware that it was God's doing, but the prisoners knew that something different had happened. My brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that when you pray, something mighty happens. Something will allow you, someone allows you to walk free. Jesus says, I came that they might have life. Freedom abundantly. And the chains whew, of everybody. Not just Paul and Silas. Everybody. See, God is not willing that any should perish. He wants to free everybody from the bondage of sin. I, I don't know how much the church today really believes that, because if we believe that, we'd be telling people that Jesus saves to the utmost. He saves. All we have to do is start praying. You know what? If we pray for folk, God will send us folk to talk to. <clears throat> when the church prays in alignment with the will of God, sinners get saved. Didn't Jesus start off by saving a sinner when he was dying? He, you, know, you know what Jesus was really doing on the cross? Praying. He was praying. Father, forgive them. That's right. For they know not what they do. And immediately, a thief gets saved. So here's what I want to tell you, new mission. Pray. Everybody I'm looking at, I know, I can almost guarantee you, everybody I'm looking at has a family member that is not saved. Pray for them. Pray for them. And, and then ask God to give you an opportunity to minister sweetly the word to them. Amen. Somebody caught that. 
That was for you wives. Sweet, oh, you, they got quiet on me now, Justin. That was from a brother. <laughs> People who are bound get delivered. When we pray with holy boldness, faith, and expectancy, the hurting folk get healed. Yeah, they do. They get healed. What's broken can be fixed. The world is put on notice that God still has the power to change things. So the world is notified. The church is edified, the devil is mortified, but God is glorified when we pray. Well, I think I got about three more minutes. So somebody's probably asking, all right, Brother Harper, how do you do that? So turn with me, I'll wait for you. If you got your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter four. See, prayer works. Just look at your neighbor while you're saying, turn it, and just tell them, prayer works. Prayer works. When it's dark, prayer works. When it's light, prayer works. When you're on top, prayer works. When you're on the bottom, prayer works. When you're in, prayer works. When you're out, prayer works. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be careful for everything. No. Be careful for nothing. Why? Because God is not the resource. God is the source. Everything you need, God has. All you have to do is ask your father. In everything, when you got money, pray. When you don't got money, I'm glad my mama's not here. When you have health, when you don't have health. When things are going real good and when things are going real bad and when things are so-so, in everything, give thanks. Tell God thank you. Because it didn't have to be this good. You could be somewhere stretched out. You could have been the fatality that just happened, but you're not. So Paul says, in everything, give thanks. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, how? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Notice, now thanksgiving is mentioned twice there. With thanksgiving, do what? Let your requests, plural, be made known to whom? Don't tell me your trouble. Unless you're willing to stop and pray for me right, pray for, unless you're wanting me to stop and pray for you right then and there, because prayer works. Let your requests be made known unto God. Stay off the telephone telling people nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows. But we all know we all got trouble. Your trouble is no worse than anybody else's trouble. It's just a different flavor for a different day. If you're going to call somebody, call them and say, come on, let's pray. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, here's how you really know that your prayer is answered. There's this peace. I wish I really could wrap my arms around it and explain it to you, but the, the kind of peace 
that God gives the child of God when once the prayer is answered, you can taste it, you can hear it, you can feel it. It's so real that unless you're a believer, you, 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 you just won't understand it. That's why I said it passes all understanding, but then it keeps. That's a military term. I got any, I got any veterans in the house? I see a couple. The keep means stand guard over with a weapon so that if there's something that comes to try to take the peace, they will get a peace. <laughs> and the peace of God, oh yeah, the Holy Ghost will tell you, don't let them in here. The worst thing in the world for a believer to do is to receive a victory and then let the devil come and take it. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep, shall guard your hearts and minds. My brothers and sisters, prayer is the most powerful thing, the most powerful weapon that the church has. You can do more for the kingdom on your knees than you can when you stand. If Jesus prayed at his last hour, we ought to pray every hour. We ought to pray when we know what to pray for. And because we have the Holy Ghost, when we don't know what to pray for, we need to ask him. And then prayer makes us more and more like Jesus. Prayer will conform us to the image of Christ. God wants to use us. The way God wants to use us is through our prayers. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. We just ask that you would show us, that you would lead us, and that you would teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but this is what we do know, that when we do pray and we are in agreement, you will do awesome things. Your word shows us that you love to display your power for what is right. And so we ask for, we beg you for, we lean on you for, you're teaching us how to become better prayer warriors. Use us, fix us, so that people can get saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.